Hey everybody, thanks for listening to the Redemption Hill podcast. We are a community of people learning the way of Jesus to bless our city of Boise, Idaho and beyond. Redemption Hill is a unique place. We are a collective of micro churches that do life together throughout the week and gather on Sundays to grow, worship and celebrate what God is doing in our city. You are invited to join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in the Boise Friends Church Gymnasium, where you can find the community you need in any season of your life. More details can be found at redemptionboise.org. Up next is the teaching segment from this week's Sunday Gathering. Afterwards, stay tuned for more information on how to get connected at Redemption. Welcome this morning. It's good to be together. I've been gone the last two weeks, so I'm, I'm thankful to be back. Two weeks ago, I was speaking at a, at a men's retreat, and last weekend, we took our family to uh, California. We had a work trip, and we did Disneyland, and it was awful and wonderful, all in, in equal measure. It was, it was beautiful and three of the hardest days of my life. So uh, we're back. Uh, Malia's exhausted, so if you just give her a hug. She needs, she needs a hug after a long week. Um, but we're back, and it's good to be together. We are in week 18 of our 19-week series on our values, and we've been working through um, who we are as a community, what we do. This spring, we worked a lot on our identity, and we talked about um, we talked about how we are a kingdom of priests, and that God has called us all into this ministry of reconciliation to be the ones that go between humanity and God and be the mediators for humanity, for creation, as priests of God. And we, we talked a lot about what it means to be missionaries, to live sent. We talked a lot about what it means to be, we believe that we are sent particularly to our city, that we are here in Boise um, or Meridian or Eagle, wherever you live, to this place, in this season, to be a community that's an outpost of God's kingdom. A little community of exiles who are living in, a, um, in an absurdly weird way to a world around us where we are formed in the way of Jesus and invite people to experience the goodness of his kingdom in our community. Living the way of Jesus and proclaiming to our neighbors the simple truth that Jesus is the king and that life with him is good. And you can experience it today in his kingdom right now. You can experience freedom and healing and power in God's community. So we've talked about that. We, we live on a mission field here in Boise. About 7% of our church, of our city, is in church this weekend. If, if you drove here, who, who other than the Yates live next to Rock Harbor, but who else was in traffic on the way to church this morning to get here? It's... It was probably about 7% of the cars that you saw on Friday on your way to work. It's a, it's a very low amount. And in our city, it's this work of re-evangelizing a generation that's rejected the false religion of Christian nationalism and Christian dominionism and half-hearted religion and, and playing church and special privileges for clergy and spiritual abuse and spiritual neglect and authoritarian nonsense. Our generation has rejected a false gospel and in so doing have rejected religion. And our work is very hard. It's hard ground where we are telling people that they got the wrong thing. They got a dead version of what faith was meant to be. And we have to reintroduce them to the God of the universe who loves them and wants to be in a relationship with them. 
There's a lot of work to do at home. But today we want to talk about the breadth and the depth of calling that God has for us as his people, not just here in Boise, but beyond. And we are going to be reading our 18th value, which is unreached, unengaged, and frontier people. Do we have it up there? Uh, no, that's not it. All right. I'm just going to read it to you. I hope, I hope that you uh, take it all in as I read it. All right, here we go. While we understand that our most transforming ministry will take place among our own demographics and geographically located in our own city, we commit ourselves to the mission of God to reach the whole world. We believe that Jesus came as the Savior, not of one people group, but of all peoples. We value the peoples of this world because we believe that God is a global God who made all of humanity and desires to redeem every unique people group. We assume responsibility for the whole world, not because we believe we can reach it alone, but because we accept the mandate from God of the Great Commission and the heart of God to love and to sacrifice for the discipleship of each people group. We accept this apostolic mandate to send and to be sent into every part of the world and our place in partnership with the global church. We also recognize that not everyone has equal access to the gospel, and there is therefore a level of urgency to bring the gospel to those peoples who have never heard before. Therefore, we will be prioritizing reaching frontier peoples by advocating, interceding, and sending missionaries and even entire microchurches to frontier peoples so that they might have a lasting and indigenous church planting movement as well. Now, there's a lot of words there, and you can go look that up on our values page. It's under the syndicate's values, our, our church network here locally. I think very few people would argue with this value, but I think that all of us feel some of this tension of, of here versus there. I'm here. I can do things here. We can work together for the mission of God in our city, and... Over there is hard and far away and not on the top of my mind. And it's hard for me to feel like I can do anything to the ends of the earth. And so I'm going to focus in on this. Shouldn't I invest where I live and, and let someone else take care of over there? Does that feel familiar? Have you ever felt that in your heart? I don't, I don't even know those people over there. How can I help them? Aren't there people closer to them that could help them? Don't we have lots of lost people here? I, I, I'm feeling, you guys feeling all those things? There, there's that, that tension inside of us. I'm going to move this microphone for the sake of Dale. How's that? Is that a little better? A little less um, fuzz. Okay. There are lost people here. That's one of the reasons why we want to talk about not just taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, but taking the gospel to the deepest parts of our soul. It's kind of a both and thing. We want to go to the deepest, darkest places where God wants to bring healing inside of us. And then we want to take the gospel to the ends of the earth where those who are farthest away are looking for the light of God's presence. The second half of today's talk, we're going to talk about the ends of the earth and the gospel. We want to start closer at home. Not our neighborhoods, not our families, our souls. Um, when I was 23 years old, um, I had been married for a year and a half and... Um, I, I was working at a bank, and I hated my job. 
Um, and I had a pretty miserable, toxic work situation. And I also had this deep sense of God's calling in my life and also a disconnect with what I was up to. Um, but during college, a couple years before, God had done this radical thing in my heart my sophomore year of college. Um, he had brought me back to my faith. Um, he, had, he had, I went to this winter conference with Campus Crusade because one of my best friends made me go with him. And while I was there, God just kind of opened my heart to the lost people around me. And I said, God, if you want me to share my faith, I'll share my faith, but you have to make me do it. And over the course of the next month, seven people received Christ with me in some phenomenal and crazy ways. And uh, at that point, there wasn't any staff people who were working with students at my college campus. And this new guy who lived in town showed up and said, hey, can I take you out to coffee? And I said, I like coffee. Let's do it. And we sat down, and I told him about what was happening, all these people who, who came to Christ. And he goes, well, what are you going to do with them? And I go, I have no plans. <laughs> this, that's someone else's job. I just bring them. That's all I do. And that's, that's their problem, I guess. And he goes, well, how about this? I'll, I'll sit down with you, and I'll, I'll teach you some things, and then you'll teach them. And I go, all right. Couldn't be worse than nothing. So we sat down, and over the course of the next year, uh, my friend Tim Rule taught me how to walk with Jesus and how to teach some people about the way of Jesus in my 20-year-old uh, way that was, you know, 20-year-olds don't know anything, and so I just, I just tried, tried my best. Um, and two years later, three years later, Tim called me up and said, hey, um, I think God has something for you, and I think it's being a missionary to teenagers, to middle school and high school students. And I said, no, you got the wrong number. <laughs> Click. <laughs> he asked, I think he asked me, did you ask me four times that year? Like every time we got together, he goes, hey, I, God keeps putting something on my mind. And I go, nope, 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 I got other things. And uh, when I was 23, we sat down and God had been working in my soul. And immediately I knew that that's what God had for me. And uh, Tim and I started this ministry to high school students called... Um, we called it Treasure Valley Crusade or Campus Crusade for Student Venture, whatever, whatever the name was. We had like eight names for this thing because we were bad at that part. <laughs> um, and at the same time, God was forming in him what he was realizing was he had been teaching college students about God's love for them for years, but God's love hadn't been penetrating past the hard pan of their broken hearts of their souls that were unformed. And so Tim was like, I've got to figure out a way to get the gospel into people's hearts and actually see it transform them from the inside out. And I go, that sounds cool. And he goes, well, I'm going to meet with you every week and I'm going to try it out on you. And then, and then uh, when, when you go teach students, you can use some of the same stuff. I go, that sounds great. And so we met at McDonald's on Overland and Cole every week for three or four years as Tim was you know, trying out his new material <laughs> on this young, impressionable young man. What happened was God, God did some incredible things in my heart. And um, what happened was Tim found ways to get into and deal with the family systems that were driving so much of my pain and brokenness. And he found ways to help me take the engines of dysfunction that were steering my life and take those and form those places so that the gospel could be the engine of my life. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of you who are here today have experienced ministry from me and from Tim that has transformed your life because he has, has done that. So I want to invite him up to come talk and share a little bit about untying the knots of the heart. 
He works with a ministry called Inner Life Ministries. Get that right? Inner Life Ministries. He, he changed it this year, so I had to, I had to relearn. Uh, and we have, we have done Untime the the Heart classes like you heard from Ketty, but I, I wanted Tim to come and talk about what it looks like to take the gospel, not just to the furthest points of the earth where there are lost people, but to the deepest parts of our heart. Thank you. Thank Love you. Ketty? Oh, there it is. There you go. All right, is that it? Hello, hello, there it is. Um, I need to say, before I get going here, I think very, very highly of your leadership here. I think very highly of Robert, Malia, and many of the other leaders here, many of the other people here. Uh, I, I just think the world of you, and uh, so glad you're doing what you're doing. The world needs you. Um, Yes, um, I'm with Inner Life Ministries. I started this ministry about 12 years ago. It used to be called Aphesis Group Ministries, and we changed the name because nobody could pronounce it, and nobody understood what it meant. Um, usually when people tried to pronounce it, they'd call it a feces. <laughs> and uh, that sounded like something you stepped in and wanted to get off your foot. And so we, we just re, uh, renamed ourselves this last fall to Inner Life Ministries, which is much more helpful and more, much more descriptive of what we do. Um, so what is Untying the Knots of the Heart, and why would you want to spend any of your time participating in a group here at Redemption Hill with it? This is why. We all experience pain. Uh, for most of us, life is a daily experience of pain. We all have brokenness. And if you don't think you have brokenness, maybe talk to the people around you. Uh, they might inform you differently about that. And we all have it at different degrees, at different times in our lives. And typically when we're faced with difficulties, when we're faced with a lot of pain, we simply go back to our old coping mechanisms to comfort us. Why? Because we don't exactly know what there is in this Christian walk with Jesus that should be comforting us and should be healing us from life's difficulties, from life's daily pain. And so we go back to the old stuff that worked for us. And uh, typically they're not working. Uh, they'll work for a time. But then, uh, uh, before long, you'll experience long periods of anxiety. Uh, that was the COVID gift to us. Lots and lots of anxiety, depression, anger, and things like those. That others around us are feeling, not only are we feeling that, but others around us are feeling that. And God has a heart for that because it's affecting you and it's affecting those around us. So, untying the knots of the heart is a Christ-centered discipleship process. And I want to emphasize the word process. It's something that, that we go to and we process something with God. 
and we process something with God's people to help people get to the root of what's causing inner life and relational struggles and suffering. And it leads us back to a place where we can authentically embrace this thing called peace, this thing called joy, love, and the freedom, these things that can only be found in Christ, that can only authentically be found in Christ. They're not faked. They're real. There's something that we experience from him. So, um, untying the knots of the heart uh, consists, how you do this in this group is it consists of weekly homework and reflection questions. And then as you do that homework, you do those reflection questions, you come together with a small, safe group. And I want to emphasize safe once a week in an environment where you can process what's going on in your life in light of biblical truth. So really the main gig, I do a lot of counseling, I do a lot of marital counseling. And you know one of the main challenges in doing any type of counseling, whether secular or Christian, is that you get people talking. That's what the church was designed for, is that we come together and we talk about what's going on in our lives. We process what's going on in our lives with one another. And somehow the Spirit of God, and this is what we're told in the New Testament, as we get together and we process and we confess, we confess our sins with one another, somehow the Spirit of God so powerfully moves into that. Whenever there's confession of sin, God just shows up in powerful ways. So, to make an environment like that where you process God's truth and you come and process with God's people and we really kind of technically t take us all through a journey of, a, of, a, of an intentional confessional. We're confessing what's going on in our life. We're confessing our sin. We're confessing what, what the world is doing, it, how, uh, doing to us, how it's yanking us around. And to be able to do that, you have to have a group where you can be real. To have a group where you can be real, we all have to agree to some norms and values. And some examples of some norms are that anything shared in the Untying Knots of the Heart group is, is kept confidential. You will not go back and share any of that with your spouses, with any of your friends, or anybody. Everything shared in there is confidential. That's shared on a personal level. And then we, we say um, you can't try to fix somebody in these groups. You know that automatically makes a group unsafe. It automatically makes a church unsafe when you have people trying to fix others. I cannot fix you, but you cannot fix me. But I do know the fixer. The fixer is the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit. They are more than capable of stepping into a heart and helping me mend the things that are broken. We cannot fix each other. So in these groups, we say we will not allow anybody to do any counseling. We don't allow anybody to do any fixing or any addressing of somebody's life or sin. And we have other things. You do your homework. You show up. You agree to show up. 
We have values where we say uh, we value that we're all transparent and real. We have a value that uh, we're going to do real encouragement. That's really one of our toughest values. Because when someone's sharing their deepest hurt and pain, it's really tough to know what is the most encouraging thing to say. And typically what it is, is say nothing. You just listen. And you understand. And you weep with those who weep. You rejoice with those who rejoice. After setting up a safe group va- uh, environment through norms and values, we go exploring. And it, this is what we start to explore. We explore the fall. We explore what the fall has done to us. We start to explore what the culture is doing to us. Right now, do you know the culture is having a profound impact on us? What I would say is culture has a much more profound impact. Western culture has a much more profound impact on our hearts than the gospel. I'll, I'll stick with that statement. It takes time to let the gospel do what it's meant to do. We're providing the time here in church and in these untying knots of heart group to let the gospel do what it was intended to do, what it's supposed to do. And then we explore family backgrounds. So we get talking about those things, how these things are affecting us, how we've been affected by these things. And then we go on another exploration, the exploration of what is God going to do to redeem that heart that's been affected by the fall, by culture, and by family? And how he redeems it, how we propose in this group process that he does that, is through a new family, a new Trinitarian family. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And in a new relational environment that they bring us into, and, and they want to immerse us in that relational environment, it should change us. So we talk about that. Then after we talk about that, it's the so what's. So how does this affect your view of self? That's called identity. How does this affect your emotions and how you view your emotions? How does this affect your desires and how you view your desires and how your desires rule you? And by the way, those are two things that typically we're very uncomfortable to talk about in church situations. It's very uncomfortable to talk about emotions. And it's very uncomfortable to talk about desires. But God has a lot to say about those things. And then we start talking about our daily pain and God's purpose for pain. We're going to propose something crazy to you in these groups. We're going to propose that God ordained pain for us to be a blessing. It's not always a blessing. But the ability to feel pain is a blessing. Why? Because it tells you that something is wrong. And you should listen to that. And then we get practical. So if you mismanage your identity and emotions and desires, you mismanage your pain, others are going to feel it. And this is the way it looks. We talk about that. How does all that, when they're mismanaged, affect your relationships? And then finally, we go into what we call life skills. If God is a loving God and Father, he's going to give his children perspectives and skills to be able to deal with life's daily pain and life's daily struggles. And here's the ones we talk about. There are more, but these are the ones we focus on. Forgiveness. Being able to resolve your pain trust. That's the thing that keeps us connected to each other. 
If we have tr don't have trust, we are isolated. We're islands. And many of us, because we've been so hurt, we are islands. We don't extend our hearts to anybody. It's God's intention for us as a church to extend our hearts to each other. That takes trust. Are you going to get hurt? Yes. You will get hurt. That's why we need forgiveness. And that's the way relationships work. I trust you, you hurt me, and then I forgive you. So here's a question. Does God ever call you to trust somebody you know is going to hurt you? Does God ever call you to trust somebody you know for a fact is going to hurt you? The biblical answer is yes. It's called marriage. <laughs> but it's also called friendship. It's also called the church. And so we operate this way. I trust you. You trust me. We're going to be human. We're going to have sin. We're going to hurt each other. But it, we re-extend forgiveness. And we trust. We trust and we forgive. We trust and we forgive. That is the daily experience of the Christian. There are times you stop trusting, and that's why we talk about boundaries. Boundaries. And then finally, we talk about living in community. So, um, that's, that's what we do. That's an overview of the group. Establish safe group environment. Go exploring those things and talking about these practical uh, perspectives and skills in these areas. Um, I'd like to, to call up uh, Kavika. I have to apologize to him. I, I saw the way his name was spelled, so I thought I've been mispronouncing his name all my life that I've known Kavika. And I thought it was Tavita, and he goes, just call me Veeks. Just call me Veeks. But I'd like to ask Veeks to come up and talk about his experience with Untying Not So Heart. Thank you. Yes, and that goes for, for anybody that can't pronounce my name or can't remember, you can call me Veeks. <laughs> um, I, I was telling Tim this morning when I was talking with him, this, this was a great opportunity for me to, to speak on this because it's been about four years since I went through this course and I was able to kind of reflect back and see like, am, am I really still utilizing some of those tools that I was taught? And I started remembering some of those things and looking through my notes and realizing that I am, I don't, I don't realize it. And what that told me is it was a true transformation for me. Um, I think when I, when I first was approached about joining this, this course and tying the knots in my heart, um, I, I didn't, know what I wanted out of it. I knew I was in, I, I had some pain. I was, I was going through some depression, um, identity stuff. I, I just didn't know. I just struggled and I wrestled with so many things in my life about who I was. And I just knew that I need to go. And I'm not sure what I'm going to get out of it. I'm sure it's going to be positive. Um, some of those things that I, I was wrestling with, with God was, I just wanted him to show me like who, who I truly was. Um, those of you that do know me, I grew up here in the Treasure Valley. Um, I, I went to a Christian church my entire life. I grew up with great God-loving Christian parents and friends and family. And so I experienced a, a great life. Um, I was 
constantly told words of affirmation towards me about who I was, what my gifts and talents were. And so I struggled with this because this whole time I'm like, I, I keep hearing all this great things about me and in, in who I am, but I'm not, why, why am I feeling so depressed? Why am I feeling whatever I'm feeling? And um, to Tim's point, you know, going to this course, it, it allowed me to process what that pain was. Um, it was it was a shame that I had, and I didn't know why it was there. Um, and what I experienced was, this in, my entire life I've allowed other people to tell me what my story was. And for the first time, I was able to hear God tell me my own story. He was the one that told me the words of affirmation. Um, it was the first time in my life I, I remember just sitting and listening to God, and he's new words that I, I didn't really ever think of myself like beloved and courageous and compassionate. All these new things I'm like hearing from God. I'm like, really, that's me? You're, you're telling that about me? Um, it allowed me to see this world through a different lens and my life through a different lens and hear it from my father through Jesus. And um, walking away from that, I don't think walking away from that course wasn't the end-all be-all, but what it did for me was it set me on the right track. It gave me the right lens and perspective in life and through Jesus' eyes that I never knew. Um, and I'm super grateful for it. It was a great experience. And now every time I go through whatever I'm going through in life, there's, we're going to continue experiencing stuff, right? Um, I, I understand the, who I am and the lens to, to see through that. Um, so, yeah, I, I encourage anybody that is interested. I, again, I didn't know what I wanted out of it. I don't think you really need to answer all those questions, but, but I would say um, prepare your hearts to, to listen to your father speak to you if, if you haven't had that opportunity um, because he has something he wants to tell us, and um, it's awesome. So appreciate it. I don't know who's going next. So to button this up, uh, we, we have a, a, a survey on your, your seats. There should be one on every other seat. If you don't have one, we could get one to you. But this is what I'd encourage you to do. Uh, how do you know if this is the right thing for you? Uh, this survey is designed to help you determine that by going through your spiritual, emotional, and relational health. That's what you're surveying. Uh, if, if, uh, if you have four or more yeses on this. And I actually would encourage you to do it. You know, a lot of times you see these things, you go, oh yeah, I'll do that at some point. But I'd really like to ask you to do it this morning, to, to go through and answer those questions. For, for example, in spiritual health, do you struggle to talk regularly with God about your thoughts and feelings and pain and desires? Uh, if you struggle and you say yes, you're gonna hugely benefit from untying the knots of the heart because we're going to tell you every reason why he's the safest person on and off the planet to process your daily pain and hurt. That God is someone we can talk to about what's hurting us and what we're struggling with. And he's not threatened by any of it. Matter of fact, he reads our hearts. So he already knows. It's us processing with it. With him is what he values. So that's an example. Go through this survey and see how many 
yes and no answers you have. If you have four or more yeses, you would love untying the knots of the heart. And then my friend Laura would like to, to finish this up here. Um, I don't have a lot um, to say because so much has been said, but I'm more nervous than when I even get up here to teach um, because I think it's... Um, I was like a young single missionary, a part of an organization that always talked about the gospel, like a wave of people that followed Jesus coming up from Australia, particularly encircling the world. And we talked always about where's the next city, where's the next people group, where are we sending teams. Um, I, that was a big part of my first years of being a disciple of Jesus. But I found myself in this place where I did not want to share the gospel anymore. I didn't, I just didn't feel it. I didn't know why. I just didn't care. Like I knew the reasons and I knew the verses, but I, my heart didn't care. I thought at the time. Um, really, I was just numb. Um, I was really numb because of the stress and anxiety that I didn't know what to do with in my life. I was not experiencing fruit of the Spirit. Um, I thought it was something I needed to do. Um, and I had, I was, I think out of a moment of extreme grace from some leaders said you can, you can do this process as a part of your job. And after the process, um, every, all of this changed. Like all of the questions I would have answered that year changed by the next year. Doesn't mean it's all done and they're all, they're all different. But everything started to change. Um, and then I had the chance to facilitate the process a couple times. And I truly enjoy the role of creating an environment that's safe. And I feel every time, as a couple times that I've gone through it as a facilitator, it's very sobering to hear the stories. And even in that, to realize I can't fix this and I don't have answers. Because even if I have the Bible verses, I had Bible verses. And it didn't change my heart. I knew all the verses about why God loves me, but I wasn't experiencing it for a time. And so... It's a privilege to walk with people through the process to, as it takes time and it takes energy and commitment. Um, I grew in my compassion for people. I have come to a place where I can begin to understand what is this relational environment that we see in the Trinity. If we're going to follow in the way of Jesus, we need to understand Jesus' family of the Father and the Son and the Spirit and how they work together. Um, so please let me know, let us know if you're considering this at all so that we can answer questions, we can talk about the process more. Um, you can go to, if you have your phone, you can do it right now, redemptionboise.org. It's always redemptionboise.org slash heart. And just let us know you're thinking about it. Yeah, and, all, and then my contact information and Ketty's is also on the back of the survey, the questionnaire. Appreciate you guys. Let's give up Tim. Tell him thank you.
when I think about our, our city and the people around us, um, they don't really want to be a part of a religion. They don't want to come to church. But they really want peace. They really want a whole heart. They really want to know that there is hope out there to experience life in a way that's full of joy and love and peace and patience, kindness and goodness. And so when we bring the gospel to the deepest parts of ourselves, all of a sudden the mission of God's people come to life. And we go, oh, what's my place? Because I, I want to share with people the peace I have in Christ. I want to share with people the family of God. I want to share with people this kingdom way because it's so full of life. And that's why we wanted to start with, let's take the gospel to the deepest parts of ourself and then ask, how can then we take the kingdom of God to the farthest places on earth? Psalm 22, 27 says, the whole earth will acknowledge the Lord and return to him. All the families of the nations will bow before him. This is a, um, a foreshadowing of, of what will be revealed in Revelation that God himself is, going, is creating this worldwide kingdom where all will come to him and bow before him because he is the king of all creation. Matthew 24 says, the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all the nations will hear it. John 3.16 says, this is how God loved the world that he gave his one and only son. John 4 says, and then they said to the woman, now we believe not just because of what you've told us, but because we have heard him heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. John 12, he says, I've come to save the world and not to judge it. In Romans 5, we see that Christ's one act of righteousness on the cross brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. And I could go on and on with verse after verse after verse about God's plan and passion for all of creation to be in alignment with his kingdom. Um, and as much as I'd like to, we don't have time to overwhelm you with that. Uh, but this, here's the deal. It doesn't get enough press that this, this worldwide religion thing was a brand new invention with Christianity. Every religion before Christianity was a tribal religion that was about one city or one place dominating another place and using the idea of their gods and bringing glory to their gods to justify violence towards one another. But for the first time, with Christ came this, this religion that was accessible to everyone and could bring life to everyone without the power of the empire to bring about its rule and reign. Over the last 2,000 years, we've seen um, in the most unlikely places the way of Jesus has sprung up, particularly the last 50 years in China. 50 years ago, 60 years ago, China wiped clean the religious slate and said, we are an atheist country, and said, no one can belong to the kingdom of God and the kingdom of communism. And over the last 30 years, we've seen it go from maybe as few as a million people to over 150 million followers of Jesus in China, because the kingdom of God will grow and will move forward where it's planted. It's like yeast, it works its way around us. Because the kingdom of God moves through powerless people, weak people, vulnerable people who don't have the power to coerce others like the Roman Empire did. In those first centuries, Jesus' followers would go all the way to northern Europe. 
to India and even to Southern Africa and create communities of Christ followers that would prevail for over 2,000 years. That's the power of the gospel, even in the first century, to move its way to those places because the power of gospel of Jesus is truly universal. It's worked on every single country on the entire planet Earth. And here's the thing. The kingdom of God is not just for those who opt into it. Our proclamation that the kingdom of God has come, repent and believe, is this proclamation that whether you want it or not, the wave of God's kingdom is coming. You better get ready. It's advancing right now. When we started Redemption Hill, we started with a different way of thinking about mission. It wasn't a here versus there, but the same work everywhere. It was not to proclaim a message, but to let people experience the kingdom of God with a people who have been placed here. People who belong to God's kingdom, who teach the way through experience rather than just proclamation. Because the way of Jesus is a way, it's not a message. We believe that it's coming alongside what God is already doing. We believe that God was already at work in Boise and we're not the saviors, we're merely participants in his work. We believe that it wasn't that we were not the saviors and that Redemption Hill wasn't the plan to reach our city, but that we, in partnership, would see God work across our city. And so, as we have looked at saying, okay, we have known from the beginning that we have to be a part of this global movement of the way of Jesus, and that it's not just for Boise, although I love Boise, and I'll, I'll give my life to this place as long as God has me here. This is where I am but I also believe that God has some, some of you who he's going to send out to the edges of the earth. And we want to, we want to look at how can we do that. And we've, we've done that in some ways, and we haven't talked enough about it probably as a community because we've been doing other things. But as we've looked, we've kind of vetted our partnerships differently than I think other uh, missionary partnerships have looked. We, we started with relationship because we believe that God would bring the right people to partner with us to go overseas. Um, we have relied on passion to be an indicator of God's calling, where people have a just driving hunger to be a part of what God's doing and a clear vision of how they're sent. We want to partner in with them. We believe that church planting is a vital part of the way that God brings about his kingdom across the world because when you plant a community of faith, they have the longevity to see movement happen. And so we want to be a part of church planting movements across the world. Um, we believe that it should be if, if you go as a missionary, your job isn't to go be a missionary for the rest of your life. Your job is to catalyze movement among indigenous leaders of the church and then not be necessary anymore. That's the kind of movement that we want to be a part of. We believe that it's about presence, being somewhere, and also saturation because there's deep parts of our city that have pockets of people who don't know Jesus, and we are called to those places. We believe that the gospel needs to go to the deepest parts of our hearts, but we also believe that there are places across the world where there is very little gospel presence. And I want to share with you a few of our partnerships because I want to, I want to help you see what we're already doing and then also give us a vision for what's next for us. So first is I want to introduce to you the Thex. We have a picture of them. They're in Papua New Guinea. If you remember, Andrew Long was a part of our community for about three years. He moved to Ecuador to, so that his wife could come back under a green card. 
Uh, so, so he's in Ecuador, but he's been a part of our community, and his sister was called as a translator with um, Ethnos 360 as a, as a translating couple that's going to move to Papua New Guinea. They moved there in May, and we got to be a part of seeing Andrew come to faith and start his relationship with God in discipleship in our community. His sister had been praying for him for years, and then when she came and told us about our ministry, we said, we want to be a part of this thing. Papua New Guinea has, I don't know, like 3,000 different languages that don't have the gospel, don't have any sort of presence. They're in these tiny little villages that are separated by mountains and islands. And so it's a place where the gospel is very hard to get to, but people are working there and they, they wanted to jump in and be a part of that. So they moved there in May. Um, and I'm, I'm going to also be sending out this week in our Facebook group prayer requests for each of our missionary couples, and I want you to take some time to pray for them. But we, we're excited about what the Thex are doing because they're taking the gospel and creating indigenous leaders who will be bearers of the gospel in places where um, it's very difficult for us to be. Um, I, I was just reading on one of their newsletters last night that they're going to put on a pastor's conference where they have to take... Um, it's a six-hour bus ride and then a 12-hour canoe ride to get, <laughs> a 12-hour canoe ride to get to this pastor's conference. Now, I mean, I've taken, you know, two or three flights to get to a pastor's conference, but that's, that's a, they are in the middle of nowhere doing important things that you and I can't do, but we get to be a part of them, and so, so we support them financially and want to do more with them. The Walters, Jess and Jessica, who are part of our launch team. Six years ago, they have moved and been a part of relaunching crew at University of Idaho and are doing an incredible job up there. We also have, um, so that's Annie Michalowski's brother. And Annie and uh, Matt also are missionaries with InterVarsity here across southern Idaho. Matt's going to be, in the next couple weeks, meeting up with students doing Bible studies at BYU-Idaho. That's just an awesome deal, right? Like he's, they're reaching out. Oh, there they are. That's not the Michalowskis. That's the Pavishes. It's a little picture. It's not even all your kids in there. <laughs> all right, there's the Michalowskis. Um, and then we also have partnerships locally with Young Life Boise and with Launchpad and with City Network and with New Thing and with Ecclesia. Doing the work that we're doing locally that we want to be doing across the world. And now I think it's time for our community to start asking, what does it look like? How do we be a community that do the four main works that we need to do, which is to give generously? Because all of those people should not be spending all of their time trying to find the money to live. They need to be doing the calling that they have, and so we need to support them financially. We need to go with them. There's a huge number of people who will hear the gospel if some of us will say, I'm going to listen to God's voice, and I'm going to go for a season and be a catalytic part of starting a new movement in a new place. God wants to take part of your life and spend it in a way that brings nothing to you but everything to the kingdom. So we, we're called to give, we're called to go, and I, I think going also means going in support and visiting and encouraging, and um, that family from Bangladesh has asked us, would you please bring a team to come pray for healing for people in villages? Because when people pray, People get healed, and the gospel goes forth. And so we're going to be talking about what that looks like to bring a team with us to go to Bangladesh, one of, um, one of the most difficult places in the world to do ministry and see if we can partner with them. We support them relationally by 
taking on their burdens, by listening to their needs, and by asking how can we be a part of helping them with material things and also just being in it with them, knowing their stories so when they come, we can celebrate with them and we can mourn with them. And then lastly, we need to pray. Pray for all of the work that God's doing around the world, for those that we know. And here's the thing, it can feel overwhelming to look at the, I don't know, what do we have, like seven and a half billion people on earth now? It goes up every time I look at it. it. It's overwhelming. We can't do it all. But our work is to do for the one or for the few that we wish we could do for everyone. We play our part. We play it well. We show up and we see what God can do with a small handful of people dedicated to service and seeing what God might do. Um, I'd like to, we've never had this before, it's kind of been just a, a side project or a side hustle for our leadership team, but I would love to build a team of folks who will help support and pray for our missionary partners, both here in country and overseas. And I, I want to ask you, if, if that's something God's stirring in your heart as we've been talking about these people, that you need to be a part of supporting what they're doing, come talk to me and we're going to be building a team to kind of do that better because we've done a pretty pretty bad job. You didn't even know those people were a part of uh, our, our ministry here at church because we don't talk about it enough. It's not at the front of mind. So this is the call. I'm going to invite the, the worship band to come forward. And this is the work to take the gospel and to be transformed by it in such a way that we have something to give away to the world and then take it to the places where they need to hear it the most. And I don't, know where mo I don't know where they need to hear it the most, and I don't know where God is calling you, but I know that God has called me to this neighborhood, and God has called me to be in solidarity with those who are across the world and be a part of what God has called them to. And so I want, I want you to remember when you come forward to receive communion today that this same communion is being served for the first time in places all over the world to people who didn't know Jesus because God sent his missionaries out. And that every time we enter into communion, it's solidarity with the global church that's a part of the calling of our people. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, your body broken for us and your blood shed for us was not limited just to us and just to the West and just to the Christian parts of the world, but it's the table set for the whole world, a table set for everyone to be close to you through your atoning work on the cross, the transformational work of the gospel in our lives, the power of the Holy Spirit to transform us. And we pray, God, that then we would be an outpost and an outworking of your kingdom by going where you call us to, in our neighborhood or around the world. May this time of communion unite us with the church, with these friends. May we pray for each of our missionary friends and family that we support. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. Make sure to subscribe to get the weekly episodes in your podcast feed. You can find out more on how to get connected with Redemption Hill at redemptionboise.org connection, where you can fill out the connect card and start your journey today. For regular encouragement throughout the week, follow us on Instagram at Redemption Voices. We are so glad you're here and are excited to accompany you in your story with God. We hope to see you soon.